You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. When we're experiencing challenging times, we have a tendency to see the world through the lens of challenging times. We tend to create a snowball effect of looking for more problems to affirm our belief that there are a lot of problems. And right now in human history, there are definitely some problems. There are definitely a lot of things going on. However, at the same time, I want to remind us that there is a lot of good going on as well. And there are a lot of innovations. There are a lot of miracles happening, things that will be considered miracles. And yet it's just the normal state of affairs of all of the incredible things that we have access to today, and the ability to, to connect, and the, the gatekeepers of information and education, all those things have dissolved. And our access to food, our access to clean water, our access to safety, for most of us, most folks who are listening to this, we have a modicum of, of safety and certainty in our lives as far as just our basic needs being met. Whereas throughout human evolution, these things were not possible. Now, not to say we don't have problems, not to say that everybody has the same level of security because we don't, but we need to shift a little bit more to focusing on what we do have and being a little bit more lighthearted about the challenges we're facing because honestly, we can get really caught up in it and it can debilitate us from being able to take right action. And not to say that we're not taking action because as you know, I'm about that life and I've continued to be somebody who's really pushing us forward and pushing the culture of health and wellness forward amidst a lot of turmoil and uncertainty. And also this chronic issue of, of our system being focused on the wrong thing and not really looking at what are the underlying issues that are making our citizens so susceptible and creating conditions where we're we can see it for ourselves. There's so much infighting and there's such a lack of perspective taking and empathy and communication. But again, there's a lot of that happening in the world still in other areas. So again, we get to see what we're looking for and we want to be aware to work on our awareness that there's, there's a lot of good going on simultaneously. Tune into that. Get your juice. Get your, get your tank filled so you can bring that good energy to the mission forward, you know, to the challenge. And... The reason that it's really hitting me right now is that, you know, we, we have this term of first world problems, right? The, we got first world problems. And we just been hit with that back to back to back uh, here at the Stevenson household, you know, just the last week, uh, you know, we had everything kind of teed up and working just like crazy, you know, to um, really help to get folks uh, aware and ready for Eat Smarter. You know, my new book coming very soon. So by the way, eatsmarterbook.com. Get your pre-order right now. All right, pause this, pre-order the book, get the bonus, free 10 video course I put together, you get as a bonus. But I've been working like crazy to really uh, get Eat Smarter into the hands and hearts of as many people as possible and really shift the culture. All the while, all right, I'm about to kick my shoes off, relax, take a nice hot shower. Guess what happened? The hot water heater broke, all right? The hot water heater broke and there was no hot water. Not just for today, 
Not the next day. Not the next day. Oh, there's people stinking. There's people stinking in the Stevens house. Oh, we can't shower. Heating up water, you know, do a little horse bath, a little horse bath. Heat the water up, you know, tap the appropriate places, and keep it moving, you know. But still, we still have shelter. But at the time, a lot of pissosity, you know, like, what? Can't they fix it? But you got to check back in, you know, and look at what, what do we have to be grateful for? Because it's that first world problem. You know, so again, just being aware there's good happening simultaneously, you know. I was grateful that I had recently taken a shower. So I had a little bit of a a head start in the shower department. You know what I mean? But my wife, ooh, she was mad. Oh, my goodness. She was mad, especially that last day because she just didn't want to be dirty. She didn't want it. She didn't want it. So she was uncharacteristically, uh, she was not her, her, her very nice and and fuzzy self, you know, so, but we had to be understanding and we can have the capacity to do that. We're in a good place. So, you know, my sons and I, we were just like, okay, let's just make sure we could do whatever to, you know, make this more lighthearted, you know, because she clearly has had enough and it's understandable too, you know. So again, it's not that our negative feelings or when we are fed up or pissed off that those aren't valid. All of our feelings matter. All of our experiences and our perspective we tend to label things as good and bad. And that's part of the problem. You know, even as I'm talking about there's good happening in the world, it's just how we're labeling things. What's really present and ever present is opportunity. It's all opportunity for growth. And it's all opportunity to learn something. It's all opportunity to find unique and dynamic solutions. It's all opportunity to grow. And that's what it's really about at the end of the day. So let me tell you how grateful we are, once I took a shower, once that hot water hit my body, ooh, mm, it felt like Christmas day. It felt like a hug from somebody you love. It was just like, it, it felt like you're, you're, you're in the bosom of, of love itself. Just, just hugging and caressing and, and walking you back and forth. That's a little, that, I, I know it's a little bit too much for a shower, but hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, hot water. Uh, but that was just one thing. Then <laughs> the alarm, the house alarm just started going off on its own. It just had no behavior, just doing whatever it wanted to do. And it sounded like the nuclears were coming in. It sounded like nuclear warfare is going down. That's how this, how loud this alarm is. And uh, so that happened, but we finally got that sorted out. And then I was talking to my wife yesterday and I was like, babe, we've had a rough couple of days, you know, like everything's going good now. Cause I felt like we were brewing up a little conflict, you know, cause we were just had enough. We just want to chill, be together, just chill. And no sooner did I say that statement, five minutes later, our entire block went out, the power went out because some guys, they just, they, they're cutting down the trees at night. You can't even see. Why you cut down trees? Power went out for a couple of hours. So it was an adventure. It's been an adventure. Uh, but the, again, these are the first world problems. You know what happened when the power went out though? My whole neighborhood was outside. Everybody was like, they so stupid. They so stupid. Why they cut trees at night? We got, we got together on the silliness of it, but also we had some laughs. Everybody had their flashlights. Man, it was dark, dark, dark. Like you don't really realize how We've conditioned with our little street lights. 
you know, but everybody's outside. We had, you know, had our little jackets and hoodies on and, you know, the community, we haven't all like been outside together like that, you know, so it was pretty cool uh, in a minute. So, you know, there's always beauty to behold in any kind of challenge, small or large. And the more that we can work on seeing the gift in the challenging time, the better. And I'm saying all this in, in a lighthearted way, but we are facing some very big challenges. But I want you to remember how powerful you are to affect change, not just in the world, but in your own mind, in your own state of happiness, your own state of balance and just being empowered, right? Again, this is not about being happy all the time. It's about being empowered and capable. So listen, something else that is upon us right now creeping in ever so slowly all right the uninvited guest cold and flu season it's got its own season how dare you cold and flu season mm. listen this is one of the, the the craziest things that is a ramification that nobody's talking about is that right now we are far more vulnerable to all manner of infectious diseases colds and flus that for whatever reason, I've brought the data forward now because nobody cared before that the common flu, influenza, because a lot of people, honestly, they don't have a very close association with death. We'd, we've never seen a death toll ticker on the television before. We've never seen so much highlighted in the newspapers and in social media, even though this is happening 24-7, 365, mass amount of people dying from preventable issues. And one of those things is influenza, with 650,000 people dying from influenza every year. Not just one year, every year. It's not just some new thing, 80 years since there's been a vaccine for it. But it mutates. That's the thing. We got to keep getting new vaccines. Flu smarter. Influenza smarter. Continues to mutate. There's another one that's already mutated that is the most highest thing on people's radar right now, infectious disease. You know the name. You know the name. I'm not even gonna say, I'm not even gonna say the name. Okay, like a you know, the rap song. I'm not even gonna put them, I'm not even gonna give it any shine today. But this that's new, that's novel. Influenza, been killing folks. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. The vast majority of those cases of folks who die from influenza of those 650,000 cases from only the respiratory aspects of influenza. That's not counting influenza-related seizures and organ failure and all manner of other conditions that can sprout from that, which that would make it hundreds of thousands of more deaths. These are folks who have chronic pre-existing diseases that are largely lifestyle-related. These are the issues we can change. But right now, cold and flu season's creeping in. We're already down. We're already susceptible, but we're more susceptible now. Since the shutdowns have taken place, guess what's happened? Rapid, skyrocketing increase in processed food consumption. Rapid, skyrocketing increases in stress. And stress, you might, stress is invisible, but it's one of the biggest modulators of health and one of the biggest causes of illness today, you know, a recent study reported that upwards of about 90% of all physician visits are for stress-related illnesses. 
So don't think stress is some invisible uh, kitten. You know, just coming to purr and to rub on you. Stress can take you out. All right. Rapid increases in stress. Are we more or less stressed now than prior to, you know, who showing up on the scene? More stressed. We know that. Rapid decrease in movement and exercise. Massive, massive falling in the rates of folks who are active. More susceptible. All these things make us more susceptible. Increase in erratic sleep patterns. So now cold and flu season's coming along. Guess what's gonna happen? You're about to see all kinds of headlines saying, all you know, hospitalizations have just gone up and you're, you're gonna see it. I, just call me Nostradamus, all right? I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's gonna happen. We're more susceptible. And of course, with the other issue being on folks' minds, uh, that play, being a player as well, being that we are more susceptible. So. Uh, I just want to share that and give us an insight that even though this is the case, we cannot just sit on our hands and not participate in our own health and wellness. And a big component of that is helping to support our immune system through our nutrition. Of course, addressing these lifestyle factors that I just talked about, but addressing this through our nutrition because we've got things that have massive amounts of clinical evidence that can support our immune system. And one of those things, this was highlighted recently in a study published in the peer-reviewed journal, Mediators of Inflammation, uncovered that the polysaccharides found in reishi were found to enhance the proliferation of critical immune cells, namely our T cells and our B cells. Our B cells are, are related to our humoral immunity. So it's our cells, our immune system's ability to learn an infection, to figure the infection out so that it becomes resistant to the infection. We have things that have been around for thousands of years. We have clinical evidence now that it trains your immune system to actually defend itself and garner the intelligence to defend itself if it's ever exposed to this thing again. It just becomes like nothing. Rishi is one of those things. So this is something I have nightly so part of my nightly routine, most of the week, I have a cup of reishi tea, a reishi elixir, dual extracted. So it means it's hot water extract and alcohol extract. So you actually get all of the things that are found in studies like these. And so you can extract and get the nutrients you're really looking for. If you're not doing both methods, you're missing out on either the triterpene camp or the, you know, the antioxidant camp, the beta-glucans, all that stuff. So important. The reishi elixir that I use is from Four Sigmatic. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get a nice discount, 10%, 15%, even 20%, depending on how much goodness you're getting. All right, the Rishi Elixir is one of my nightly things because, listen to this, the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior, a pharmacology-focused peer-reviewed journal, found that reishi is able to significantly improve your sleep quality, all right? Pop over there, check them out, foursigmatic.com forward slash model. They've also got a delicious cacao reishi elixir, all right? Hot cocoa version that my son Braden loves. He actually just had it today, all right? So we can make this process of getting good stuff into our bodies and our families with things like this. So 
Highly recommend it. Check it out, foursigmatic.com forward slash model. And again, this time right now in human history, we have to take it upon ourselves to get educated, to give our bodies the stuff that it requires, to do all the cool things that it's capable of, and to also support and educate our friends and our families and our communities in a way that's inclusive and fun, you know, and that's what we have access to do right now. So just very passionate about this. And I just want to make sure that we are pointing our attention in the right direction right now and taking care of ourselves and the people that we care about and continue to move everything out from there and really impact our communities. And on that note, let's get to our Apple podcast review of the week. Another five-star review titled Blown Away by Truck Chick. I'm absolutely blown away how Sean can communicate such critical health information in an engaging and tantalizing way. I'm addicted to his content. I love the research and validation from an unbiased eye. Ah, I love. Thank you. Mm, That's so awesome. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. I really felt that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. I appreciate it so much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Katie Wells. She's a world-renowned leader in health and wellness and a mom of six and the founder of wellnessmama.com. She's also the host of the top-rated Wellness Mama podcast and author of the best-selling Wellness Mama cookbook. And Katie is just one of those people that you cannot be around her and not be impacted. Like my whole team is like thinking about their lives differently after this conversation and just spending time with her and her family Uh, in Florida. It's been like probably two years now since we were hanging out, but we left there and we did things differently in our life as a result of seeing Katie and her family. And just the, it's just something you would not expect. All right. What's possible with the structure of of the family. And she's somebody who's just a great positive influence, uh, somebody who's a leader and somebody who's been really ahead of the curve in so many aspects of health and wellness and just helping to empower parents, empower moms, empower families and kids for so many years. And so really grateful to have her on for this episode. And I think you're gonna really enjoy this very much. So let's jump into this conversation with the amazing Katie Wells. Katie, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm very excited to have you on. Very excited to talk to you. Like. Ann and I, we literally like giggle like little school children when we talk about you and your family. <laughs> because when we last saw you was actually in Florida at your house. It was, yeah. Yeah, so f- thank you for having us. That was such an awesome time. Very eye-opening. <laughs> I think Ann has talked to you about that too. Um, but obviously a lot has changed since then. So first of all, how? Katie, your your house was such a freaking adventure, you know, like you had your, was was, was it your two-year-old at the time, maybe three, and they're like just walking around like eating sauerkraut, you know, like doing their own laundry. It's just like, you really changed our paradigm of what was possible for what our kids could be doing, you know? So and when we got back, we were like, oh no, Brayden, dude, you got to start doing your laundry. I think he was like five at the time or, or six. So... How, how's it been, your experience, like, because you moved from where to Florida? From Kentucky. From Kentucky. You were, like, born and raised there, right? My husband was. Okay. Yeah. So where were you born? Texas. Texas? I knew that. Yeah. 
Texas. All my exes live in Texas. <laughs> but yeah, I've been all over and now Florida is definitely home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was so nice. You guys took us paddle boarding? Yeah. Yeah, and your husband was just like low-key doing headstands and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, just casual headstands on it the just paddleboard. Ca on a ca super casual vibe, Yeah, <laughs> you know. But me and my son, Jordan, we were just struggling to just stand up, you know. But it was great, really great adventure. And, um, you know, you've accomplished so much. You've become like this incredible brand. You know, Wellness Mama is like the top of so many people's minds and just a trusted authority. And... But recently you've had some big transformations for yourself. Like you've been so focused on helping everybody else just get educated and you took some time to really focus on you. So what was, the, what inspired that, that focus, that shift in focus? And then we could talk about like, what the hell you've accomplished something really amazing. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, it's one of the great honors of my life to get to be part of the wellness mama community. It happened somewhat inadvertently, but I think I've always believed that moms are the most powerful force on the planet. And so to get to yeah. be part of such an amazing group of moms has been truly one of the greatest honors of my life. And like you often hear people get into psychiatry trying to figure out what's wrong with them, that was why I got into health. And I think that's a common story for a lot of us. Yeah. We, it's not that we just one day logic ourselves into being healthier, so we have a crisis. And for me, that was my first pregnancy, kickstarting autoimmune disease that I didn't know was autoimmune disease at the time. And also reading that for our kids, they were gonna be the first generation in two centuries to have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. And just realizing what they were gonna face and that that wasn't okay. I wasn't okay with that for my kids and I wasn't okay with that for anybody's kids. So I had no idea how I would change that, but that was how Wellness Mama was originally born. And there certainly was that self-serving aspect as well of trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And that was definitely the driving force behind a lot of my research for a lot of years. And I'm so grateful for that because I don't think, I think it was one of my great teachers I don't think I would be the mom I am now or the wife I am now without that. Um, and I'm also really grateful it took a long time to figure out mm, because yeah. what I've learned in the last couple of years is there is no silver bullet. And if anything, and you speak to this so well, everything is so personalized and it's doing the work to figure out your own answers. And I feel like to get to that point, I had to try everybody else's system because I was so desperate for answers that I would read all the research and try all the systems. And what I learned was all of those people are geniuses in their own way and they have learned what works for them. And we can learn something from every approach, from every person that we encounter. But at the end of the day, we are each our own primary healthcare provider and we have to take the ownership completely and figure out what's gonna work for us and bring in partners and experts to help us. But at the end of the day, it starts and stops with us. And for me, the part of that I avoided for so, so long was the inner side. You know, we read yeah. about the spiritual, mental, emotional side and how it affects our physiology and how the body keeps the score. But for so long, because that was such a hard thing for me, I ignored that part and just thought like, well, I can just power through this. I don't need to deal with that side. I will just eat even cleaner and I will just exercise even harder and I will just do all the things exactly perfect, mm -hmm. which I did for a decade and nothing changed. And it was such a struggle. Um, like daily, I look back and think of how much of my own inner mental energy every day was consumed with all the things wrong with my body and trying to change them. Mm. And I think a lot of women can relate to that. I think many, many women have so many struggles with body image and, and with working through that and just, it, it can be very consuming. And so I think facing that was one of the hardest parts of my journey by far and, and getting through that was the most freeing. Mm. That's so powerful. And you were 
really speaking a lot of people's language right now and experience. And if you could, so of course you mentioned the first pregnant, the first pregnancy, which you had how many pregnancies? I've children? had six babies. Six babies, but the first one kicking off uh, autoimmune condition, mm -hmm. which was Hashimoto's for me. Hashimoto's. And we've of course touched on the subject here, uh, but if you could share a little bit about that particular autoimmune condition, like what does it target? And also we could circle back to, wow, you did some amazing things to kind of put that in remission. Yeah, so I now am completely in remission, which extremely grateful for. Um, Hashimoto's is when the body is having an autoimmune reaction against thyroid tissue. Um, for me, it took eight doctors to finally get diagnosed because I knew something was wrong and I had done enough research to figure out it was probably something thyroid related, but a lot of doctors do kind of surface level tests or they'll test just a couple of thyroid hormones. Um, and then if those are normal, they don't tend to go deeper and realizing over time that the ranges they use when it comes to thyroid testing in general are based on people who go get thyroid testing and who gets thyroid testing, but people who think they have a thyroid problem often. So there's a lot of controversy about what those ranges should be and what normal is versus what optimal is. And I know we see that in a lot of various areas of testing. Um, and then not testing antibodies, which is a clear cut sign with Hashimoto's. And so finally finding a doctor, I believe you know him too, Dr. Alan Christensen was the first one that help start me down that path to healing. And um, it was a long road of, I tried a lot of different things in the beginning. I did the autoimmune protocol to reduce inflammation in the beginning um, and ate extremely clean for a lot of years. And the beauty of it now is that having, I think rebuilt that foundation and healed my gut and all of those things, I now have so much more leeway that I'm actually much less strict than I've ever been. Um, and like I said, I think that the mental inner side was that last piece that had to fall into place because at the end of the day, if we're, constantly in that state inside and we're constantly in sympathetic nervous system, it doesn't matter all the things we're doing. You can't out supplement your nervous system. Right. Yeah. And so for a lot of women, I think that's the key and it's the hardest one to face. Oh, this is so good. So just on the, you know, the technical side, uh, Isabella Wentz, we did an episode with her as well on the thyroid, uh, specifically with Hashimoto's focus. And as you mentioned, Dr. Alan Christensen, we did a couple episodes with him. We'll put those in the show notes, but this, like you just said, this is where the real change takes place. And we overlook this, unfortunately, especially in our kind of conventional system and not understanding that your mind is controlling everything your body does. So your body can literally be on defense against any changes you try to make mm -hmm. just to maintain its safety and its set point, especially like you said, when you're running in that sympathetic kind of fight or flight and you don't even realize it's happening. So let's talk about that so, because that inner work and inner transformation, which you were just like, nah, again, I'll power through it. And so many of us do this. Once you really focused on this, everything changed. So what, what was it that you did? Like what, and what was, what was the barrier that was kind of blocking all of the dominoes that kind of happened afterwards? Yeah, so from the physiological side, when you're in that fight or flight nervous system state, it makes sense. Your body is focused on avoiding whatever the stressor or danger that it perceives. And in today's world, we're constantly bombarded with those things, whether or not they're real dangers or not. If our nervous system perceives it as a real danger, it doesn't matter because the hormone cascade is happening. And when you're in that state, your body's not trying to be fertile. It's not trying to rest and digest. It's trying to survive. And so it's not gonna do the things physiologically that you need to do to be able to heal and to be able to rest and digest. And 
I was very much in that state for so long. For me, it went back to a trauma in high school being sexually assaulted and in that moment feeling so helpless and vowing to never feel helpless again and to build walls to protect myself that truly became a physical manifestation of that wall. I put on armor to feel safe. And in hindsight, like I have to be grateful for that too because it did keep me safe and I needed that process to, to heal for, through some of that but it had built up and it had become this wall that I was using to keep people out. And it was physiologically a source of inflammation that was keeping me from being able to heal or lose weight or get better. Um, so getting through that took facing the really hard stuff and yeah. doing the inner work and being willing to feel those things again, to face them, to let go of them. And honestly, what it was that finally made me willing to do it and able to do it was seeing my oldest daughter see me look at myself in the mirror and I saw it register in her eyes that I was judging myself mm. and to look at her and remember what it was like to be 11 years old and that when that's when so many of us start that cycle of judging our bodies and knowing that she at her age now she's a pole vaulter and she's an athlete and to her her body is this incredible tool that can do incredible things and to think how healthy is that that's how we should get to go through puberty it's not like what's the things that are wrong with my body but my body is this amazing tool that can do incredible things and carry me through the air. And I realized I didn't, I wasn't being able to be an example of that for her. Mm. And so that's when it finally got important enough to me that the pain of staying the same was now greater than the pain of changing, that I realized I have to do whatever I have to do to be an example of not just accepting, but loving myself and loving my body, even if it's not perfect, and especially when it's not perfect. And the irony is I felt like I had fought myself for those 10 years, I had tried to will myself. Um, and now I realize you can't hate yourself skinny and you can't punish yourself healthy. You can't, but that's what I had tried to do for so long. I had tried to essentially shame myself into being a certain way. And when I shifted that, and I didn't have to do that to protect myself anymore, there was no fight left. It wasn't depriving myself and dieting, trying to lose weight because I was mad at my body. It became nourishing my body because I loved it. And that was an entirely different paradigm. And it wasn't moving to punish myself so that I would be skinny. It was moving because my body was this incredible thing that could do it. And that shift in perception, the irony is I now eat more. And I know you can explain the physiologist. Yeah. I eat more than I have ever eaten. I definitely don't eat as strictly as I've ever eaten. I did not work out almost at all in that intensive healing phase because of my body needed to rest and recover. And so I slept a ton, um, but I just moved. I walked, I swam gently, but I didn't do anything that was really intense demanding on my body during the, the tough phase of that. And I just let it heal. And that shift alone, it wasn't that I found any program that was a silver bullet or you know, found some macro um, count that was perfect. It was that I shifted that perception and everything changed. Yeah, can you share what your results have been thus far so as of last week, it's over 90 pounds that I've lost. Ah! <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Wow. Listen, the, the reason I want you to state that just for the folks listening um, is I really want folks to understand that truly the most powerful pharmacy in the world, like you just said, you can't out supplement this sympathetic dominance is your, is your mind. Your brain is the most powerful pharmacy in the known universe and your brain is commanding the hormones involved in metabolism, involved in the process of storing or burning fat. Mm -hmm. You can't just use food as the only tool, the only inroads. It can help tremendously because it also helps you to change your mind. It helps to literally create your brain, you know, but 
doing these kind of things seem counterculture, but they become very obvious once, especially we have conversation with somebody like you who's done the thing. And so I want to ask you more about this because, so you mentioned uh, this traumatic experience taking place and this is not uncommon at all. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's also important for folks to, to realize truly that they're not alone in this when oftentimes it really does feel very isolated and lonely. Yeah, that was something I realized that was so striking when I started talking about this on my own platform was the numbers are staggering. For women, it's one in three or one in four. And that's just what we know about. So there's likely even more than that. And when I started telling my story publicly, I got literally thousands of emails from women who felt like they could tell their story publicly because of it. And they needed a place to tell it and they felt safe telling me. And I mean, I heard stories that shook me to the core. And so this is a very widespread thing. And I mean, I think that's another thing that we need to address in its own right. But at the same time, like the reality is that there are many, many women living in the world today who have some level of this, who have had to go through this and who need tools. And I think just like, like there's so many aspects of that that are wrapped up in shame or that aren't talked about. And when they aren't talked about, then they have the power like that. And so whether, and for mothers, another one being miscarriage, like things like that, like when we talk about them, we get to work through them. And we get to like, the, even just the act of saying these things and, and having community around it, it lets you process it instead of it being an emotion that we're bottling down yeah. and avoiding. And I think often that avoiding is the part that gives the emotion its power to begin with. Mm. And we can't run away from it because often it's there to teach us something. Mm. And when we can feel it and let it teach us whatever that is and then pass through, that's when we get free of it. Yeah, yeah, wow. And there's a really interesting book, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how trauma physically stores in our body and has physical manifestations. And I think we see a lot of that in the health world. I know many practitioners who work with people who have, like, like me at that point, we're doing all the things right and we're trying to take all the supplements and eat perfect yeah. and all that. And there's that missing piece that we each have to be willing to kind of face and go to battle with. Yeah, what we're talking about here is this growing field of psychoneuroendocrinology mm -hmm. and how your brain and your perception of reality and stress and all these things that seem like they're invisible are controlling your physiology and what your hormones are doing. So this is so real and so important. And this can be that transformative thing that folks have been looking for. They've been trying every kind of diet. You just say you're eating more. I'm eating so much more. <laughs> this, is so, this is so amazing. But even, of course, like the, the types of foods and even shifting your perception to be like, oh, I can eat this type of food and give yourself permission to do it and allow that to work on you, you know, just open up those recesses. And so just one thing that I'm, you know, I want to reiterate, like it sounds like, of course, like you took this experience and as you mentioned, it's staggering the numbers of, you know, with sexual assault, physical abuse, emotional and mental abuse uh, that goes on. And this is our opportunity. There's so much shaking up in the world right now. Those numbers have skyrocketed since all the shutdowns have taken place. But the real solution truly at the end of the day hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. is is taking better care of our friends and our families and our babies and raising up better humans mm -hmm. you know and we have the opportunity to do that now but what happens is with and especially in your story i'm here like you take that thing and you compartmentalize it mm -hmm. you know you tuck it away in this one little room and then you had the personality type where you'll take that aggressive nature and you put that into building this incredible brand that's changed the world. Like if you Google anything like a natural treatment for, you find you, you know, wellness mama pops up, you know? So did you feel like maybe 
you even addressing this thing might take away from like another superpower that you were exuding? I did have that fear for a while when I was working through things is that like if I if I let go of this, am I gonna lose my edge? Mm. And what I learned was you don't lose it, you actually just get the power to turn it on and off and to use it as an effective tool, but not let it use you as a tool. And to your point about this being an emerging field, I think in today's world, and I think we're gonna see this skyrocket with the lack of human connection and everything else that we're seeing, I think it's gonna bring up a lot for a lot of people. But we know from even just medical data, when you tell a person that they have cancer and they have three months left to live, they die in three months. And then sometimes autopsies reveal that it was a misdiagnosis and they never had cancer, but they thought they were gonna die, so they died. And conversely, there are people who have cancer and are they believe in some type of healing modality or some miracle is gonna heal them and they get better or they address trauma and they get better. And for years I discounted just how powerful the mind was because I, could, I thought I could research my way out of it or regiment my way out of it or make my, you know, I had checklists and spreadsheets for all the things I was doing and the, like everything I was, and I realized it doesn't, it, it's incredibly simple, it's not easy. But often, like we already have those answers. Yeah, yeah, you just said it. So perfectly. And by the way, a great resource, one of the guests we had on very early on uh, years ago was Dr. Lisa Rankin, who wrote Mind Over Medicine. So folks want to check out some of the, the clinical evidence behind the examples that you just shared of like, you know, folks literally taking that nocebo effect mm -hmm. that you're going to die in a certain amount of time and is a misdiagnosis or folks having this what's called, quote, spontaneous remission. And there are like, I mean, thousands upon thousands of documented cases where there's a shift that takes place, you know, looking at this field of, and now it's becoming more, more common in discussions with, you know, this growing field of psychoneuroendocrinology and psychoneuroimmunology mm -hmm. as well and how this affects our immune system. And one of the big players here today is stress, you know, and just like since COVID's become, you know, the, the tip of everybody's tongue, hopefully not literally on your tongue though, <laughs> but since it's become that, has stress gone up or down? You know, it's just like, this is, this is a rhetorical question because everybody knows the answer. We're all far, not all of us, but our society overall is far more susceptible right now to all manner of infectious diseases because we are more stressed. Mm -hmm. And now this is our opportunity to pay attention to these things because these things arguably matter more than anything else. Um, so one of the things that I'm, I'm hearing too and just, hearing some of the things you've been doing, like with your family, you freaking, you started pole vaulting. I did start pole vaulting. <laughs> Tell me about that. So what's funny is all, I thought I had like dealt with everything and I was like feeling great. And then COVID hit and I was so angry for a couple of weeks and I could not figure out why on earth I was like, I felt like I had this rage and I was working out like so many times a day. And what I finally realized was part of that, I had vowed I would never be helpless again. And I had constructed all these elaborate ways to never feel helpless again. And then there was this thing that was bigger than me. And so I felt like I was back in a helpless situation. So I was coming up swinging, which was a great opportunity to then process that and to be able to work, use that in a beneficial way as well. Um, and part of that for me was finding an outlet, like a physical outlet for that energy and to work through it. My kids had already started pole vaulting. And we have this motto in our family that you were made to do hard things. So they started turning that around on me and, hey, mom, you were made to do hard things too. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but not like fly through the air after having six babies. Not, that's not the hard things that people do. I haven't also, seen that movie. <laughs> also, people, I don't like to be upside down after having six babies. My vestibular system changed. But it became a family bonding activity. And it was one of the few things that was open kind of throughout everything because it's a naturally sort of social distance sport. You're not all running together. You have yeah, space. You got a pole. 
you got to pull. Um, but that was, so it was something I got into for my kids and it's become a really fun outlet for me as well. And there's Olympians in training who are in our area and I, just to learn, signed up. They start their whole regiment in September and they train all the way through the summer, which is when they start their meets. Mm -hmm. And it's a, this 28 week cycle that rotates every three weeks based on the different phases you're trying to accomplish for explosive power and speed and strength. Um, which is fun because I haven't gotten bored yet. Every time I think I'm like caught up, then there's a whole new thing I got to learn. Um, but it's been incredible and it's been awesome to have that focus. And and I think that's another thing of these like subtle mindset shifts. Um, that one of training versus working out. It's such a different feeling of like working toward a goal versus I'm just going to like give myself a time limit and move my body every day. It's so fun to be striving yeah. towards something. And I think this has been another thing I've realized so much is the, the things we have to become very conscious of our self-talk because our mind will answer the questions we give it. So if we give it questions like, well, why can't I lose weight? It's gonna go, oh, well, let me explain to you all the reasons why you can't lose weight. Here's all your excuses. Yeah. Whereas if we say like, how is this so fun? Or why is this so easy for me? Or how do I love this so much? Or um, it will start answering those questions as well. Or the things like, I used to have this script in my head, oh, if only I could lose weight, then I would be happy. Mm. And I realized, or I could just choose to be happy right now. Mm. and when that inner shift happened, my body caught up. When it, how I, my mind perceived me changed, my body changed to, rec to catch up with that. Yeah, that's profound. So what I'm really hearing is that like the, the health side and kind of the body transformation, you know, the weight loss was kind of like, is a side effect. Exactly. It wasn't even the main thing. Mm -hmm. So was this, what other things changed? I would think, I would imagine that there were other benefits that even outweighed the weight. Absolutely, I would take the mental freedom that came with that, even if physically nothing had changed. Letting go of that constant negativity toward my body, which is that part I desperately didn't want to pass on to my daughters, that alone has been the freedom of that. I didn't even realize quite how much that was consuming my, my mental activity until it was mm. gone. And then it was drastic, like when you have a headache and then the headache goes away and you realize just how bad the headache was. Um, it, you're right, it absolutely was a side effect. And it happened, not I wouldn't say effortlessly, but very easily once I shifted that focus. And I think it just goes back to not having, not fighting my body anymore. Yeah. I know some people are wondering, like, what is this eating more? <laughs> like, what is she talking about? How is that a thing? So when, you're, when you say eating more, what are you eating more of? Like, is there, I think, I already know the answer to this, I would imagine. We haven't talked about it yet, but there's probably like a shift in the macros that you allow yourself to consume. Yeah, it's funny. When I started tracking it, it surprised me. I'm eating a lot more protein now. I thought I was eating enough protein before. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I actually tracked it and I was like, oh, I'm not mm -hmm. even in, eating enough protein for my six-year-old. Yeah, like this is right. really bad. Right. Um, and I wasn't actually eating enough in general. And what's surprising is I think a lot of women are run into this. I think we're under eating, which to go back to the earlier point, that puts your body in sympathetic nervous system because it's constantly operating in a caloric deficit, which can be a tool, but not when it's all the time. Chronic. Exactly. And so I think a lot of women are, their body has an underlying stress from that they don't even realize. And then once you're in that cycle, you like diet more because you, it's not working and you want to lose. And so you, it becomes this very vicious cycle. And when I started paying attention to it, I realized I was under eating from all those years of dieting. Um, and it makes sense when we think of it in terms of the metabolism, you want to 
give it enough fuel to teach it to burn fuel and have metabolic flexibility by changing it up. So a couple of the kind of guidelines I live by with the caveat that, again, we each have to figure this out on our own, but I don't do anything the same every day. So I don't take supplements on the weekend. I don't eat the same macros every day. My goal long-term is I want my body to be able to efficiently handle whatever I throw at it, including if I have a day where I decide I'm gonna eat a ton of carbs, it needs to be able to handle that. Or I'm gonna be keto for two days, whatever. Or I'm gonna fast, which I do pretty often. It needs to be able to handle those things. But it was a gentle process of learning that. So I mentioned I had to recover first. I had to let it, let my nervous system calm down, let my hormones get back into balance. Like that's not the thing, you don't start the fasting and the, like all those changes when you're in a state of stress, because that'll just keep stressing your body out. Um, But my goal was metabolic flexibility and I had to re-feed my body to get to a point where it could do that again. I think I was kind of operating in that state of deficit for so long that it just thought it was in a state of starvation and it was surviving. Um, So when I started tracking, I had to make myself consciously eat enough food every day and it felt so weird in the beginning. Um, And even now I sometimes catch myself and have to catch up on protein at night if I haven't gotten enough or hard workout days. Um, another fun one recently that I've learned, I've been wearing a continuous glucose monitor mm-hmm. and have learned some fascinating data from that on how my body responds to different foods, but also like it turns out, you know, athletes knew what they were talking about that you do occasionally need carbs when you do super high intense workouts. And I went through a point where I was like, why do I have headaches all the time? This is so weird. And with the glucose monitor, I was like, oh, it's because my blood sugar is getting low because I'm sprinting yeah. and doing all these heavy lifting and I'm not refeeding my glycogen at all. And so it's been really fun to get to learn that and to shift that focus of fuel versus calories. And I I know you've talked about that so well, and even knowing all the data, I think I still got stuck in that cycle for years of like, well, I just need to eat less and eat less and eat less or eat super low carb or whatever it was. Yeah, this is so awesome. This is so freaking awesome. I love that you also keep pointing back to, it still is dependent upon you, you know? And there are some overarching principles And one of those things for folks to understand, even from what you just shared, is that our bodies are very adept and even have evolved to use different pathways to fuel different activities, you know? And it's so, like, we cannot grasp how intelligent our bodies are, but there are preferred nutrient sources that run certain things. Like, going for a walk is actually one of the fastest ways for your body to bypass its normal function of basically the hierarchy of fuel use, which is to use available glucose first, then using stored glycogen, then finally using some fat. But going for a walk, your body shifts over for most folks to just start using stored fat as a fuel, which is fascinating. But as soon as you start to get into that high intensity stuff, it becomes much more glycolytic. And so it's just, that's important to understand. And like you doing some of this self-quantification to find out, oh, you know, this thing, I, I need this, this is what my body's telling me to do and continuing to see results as you go on. And I love that so much. And um, this this conversation of, of course, being flexible, like mm-hmm. your body being able to handle whatever you throw at it, you know? Ultimately, that's how we were hardwired as well. Like there's go- every- things are gonna be sporadic from day to day, you know? But today we become very like cookie cutter. Even if we're, even if we're healthy, you know, in a state of, of really good health, we tend to get caught in that food prep gone awry you know, like chicken, rice, broccoli, chicken, rice, broccoli, <laughs> you know, and your body re- re- requires diversity. You know, that diversity helps, of course, the microbiome, all these things that you've already automatically made better. You know, it just sounds so freaking awesome. So thank you for sharing that. And you know what? 
I want to talk for folks more about transformation and more about wellness from Wellness Mama herself. And we're going to do that right after this quick break. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Snuggle up with some fat-burning nutrition this holiday season. You know what time of year it is. It's that time to get cozy. It's that time to snuggle up. It's that time for a nice pumpkin spice everything. But truly, some of the most potent nutrition can be found right in our spice cabinet. And this particular spice that you need to know about has been used traditionally in cooking, medicine, and rituals for thousands of years. And what I'm talking about is turmeric. Turmeric and one of its most renowned micronutrients, curcumin, have well-noted anti-inflammatory effects. But what isn't commonly known is its surprising anti-obesity effects. A study published in the European Journal of Nutrition covered that, in addition to down-regulating inflammatory cytokines, curcumin in turmeric also upregulates the activity of adiponectin and other satiety-related hormones. Turmeric has been found to actually improve insulin sensitivity, reduce blood fats, and directly act upon fat cells. Another really interesting thing about turmeric is that it has anti-angiogenesis properties. A study published in the Journal of Nutrition found that curcumin and turmeric is able to reduce angiogenesis in adipose tissue, which is fat tissue. And angiogenesis is the process of decreasing the blood supply and nutrient supply to those pesky fat cells and also to cancer cells as well. And turmeric has been found to have an intelligent, selective capacity to target rogue cells and reduce their ability to grow. Really, really fascinating stuff. And it's one of my favorite things that's in the gold blend from Organifi. This blend highlights a super critical extract of organic turmeric plus other metabolism enhancing spices like cinnamon and ginger. It also has reishi, which is clinically proven to support your sleep quality. It's a great vibe, great way to relax, and a great time to enjoy this season. Head over, check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model for 20% off your gold latte. Check it out. All right, we're back and we're talking with Katie Wells, AKA Wellness Mama, about her recent transformation and about all things health and wellness. And one of the things that you are really well known for is like helping to educate folks on the crazy stuff that's been added into our food supply and also uh, our personal care products, for example. And there's been a revolution taking place with education on those things and just understand how some of these things are like endocrine disruptors and just we have become a society that has accepted it as normal to consume synthetic chemicals you know things that were never made with an intention for humans to consume and you've recently started your own company you know to really just kind of break through and make a new level of impact with these things so first of all can you talk about some of the big issues with our personal care products, the stuff that's out there, the conventional stuff, because again, these might be the small things that are just stacking conditions against you that's causing problems with your metabolism or with your sleep or you know even with your gut health. Absolutely, and to tie it into our earlier point of stress, like 
we often think of stress as just a mental or emotional state as a human, but the body can perceive a lot of things as stress. And so the things we're exposed to in our environment can have the body in that sympathetic nervous system state and be creating cellular stress without us feeling stressed. Right. So we may feel like we're doing fine and doing everything right, but if the body's perceiving that stress, we're still in a state where it's gonna be hard to heal or hard to work toward any of these goals. And what I realized was I had all of these people in my life who understood so much, and I think what's been amazing in this the 14 years I've been doing this is to see that the societal shifts happening. And I know you see this too, like people are so well educated now and people are making these changes and doing it themselves. And especially when it comes to diet, I feel like there's so much awareness, but even people in my life who ate organic and who had a really good understanding of nutrition and the ways to live healthy, they were still using personal care products like conventional personal care products that were filled with endocrine disrupting chemicals that were signaling their body that they were in a state of stress when they weren't. And even the most clean living people I knew were still using these certain core products from conventional brands because they worked. And I get it, especially as a woman, like I don't want to sacrifice how I look or how I feel just to be natural, but at the same time, I don't want to sacrifice my health to look a certain way. And it made me mad. I, I was like, what? there shouldn't be an either or. With everything we know now and all we have available to us, there absolutely should not be an either or at this point. And so I decided to tackle the really tough ones first. And what I saw was people who did everything else right and would never touch food dyes or sugar or anything, they were still using like Colgate toothpaste and traditional shampoo and conditioner because that's what they were used to and that's what worked. And I realized you can't you, yeah, yes, we have to educate, but you can't just educate about the problem. There has to actually be an alternative that's as good or better for people to be willing to actually make that change. And I had been creating DIY versions of a lot of these products for years yeah. because that's how I was able to find safe versions that actually worked. And I realized there were a lot of people in that same position. And so I could take these same formulas that were working for my family and make them available on a wider scale. And we know from the data that 80% of the chemicals that we're exposed to from a personal care perspective, it's the core products in our bathrooms. Like there's others as well, like laundry detergent, because those VOCs store in our clothes and we're inhaling them all day, so it's a low level exposure. But for most of us, we're putting things like toothpaste and shampoo conditioner directly on our bodies, and then that's being absorbed directly into our bloodstream. We know that the majority of what goes on us goes in us. And so my philosophy with this was, that means obviously, of course, the bare minimum is that we should stop putting the bad stuff on us. So that avoiding the harmful things is a given. But why not use that to our advantage and put good stuff we want in, knowing that the skin is the biggest organ, why not give it the beneficial things to make us better? Why not give the gums the things we need to enhance the oral microbiome? So we kind of turned that entire principle on its head and started designing of how do we benefit the body from the outside in? How do we nourish it from the outside in? How do we build in the herbs that help make your hair thicker from the outside in? And hopefully, of course, we're all doing the dietary stuff and the lifestyle stuff as well. Um, so that's what we set out to, we said tackle the hard ones first. We're gonna tackle the, the ones that people are least likely to wanna change because they need something that works. And we're gonna make something that outperforms the conventional ones, but we're gonna do it not just naturally, but beyond naturally. Yeah, and you just said it, which I didn't think to talk about, but I, a lot of folks think about you for the DIY, you know, the do-it-yourself versions of like, here's how to make your own toothpaste, here's how to make your own, you know, uh, deodorant options. And sometimes you just, you see this stuff and you're like, why don't Katie just make it for me? Just make <laughs> it for me, Katie. I don't want to do this, you know? And then you finally did, you know, so you launched your company recently. And of course we have 
access to you, so we got stuff early, you know. <laughs> uh, so can you tell everybody a little bit about the company itself and what you guys have available right now? Yeah, the company is called Wellness, which is wellness with an E on the end. And it kind of the essence of being well is, was our goal. And, um, so we started with hair care, so shampoo and conditioner, um, toothpaste, and we also now have dry shampoo, which um, I've had to explain to all the guys involved in our team that it's a shampoo that works without water at all. You sprinkle it on dry hair and it helps absorb oil. But we put ingredients in it that also help your hair follicle be healthier and help your hair get thicker over time. Because a lot of the conventional dry shampoos, you're spraying high-speed chemicals at your scalp using aerosol. And over time, that can be really damaging. People can see their hair get thinner over time. So we're like, if we're going to put this on your food, let's or your hair, let's make it hair food. Let's nourish your scalp. And so we started with those. We also now have hand sanitizer just because I'm like, if we're going to have to use it anyway, I'm going to make one that's not going to dry out your hands yeah. and completely destroy your skin biome. Oh, so that one's so good. I, I was hoping that you would bring it up because I'm about to. Um, that's, of, of course, even when the pandemic first started, you know, my wife, who's like, she, you see what she's doing right now? She's like, oh my God, he's going to tell this story. But, you know, she was, she ran out, she got the big you know, jumbo size pumper of that hand sanitizer. You know, she's gonna stand by the door and start squirting people. You know, like <laughs> she was like, I don't want this, I don't want, you know. And I shared very early on in the episode that um, the FDA was like coming after one of the top hand sanitizer companies, like, hey, you, you, you don't, it doesn't actually kill viruses like you're saying it does. You know, like you have to stop promoting it this way. And so, but we've gotten into this consciousness of cleanliness that has, in, in talking with so many experts who are just looking at the data, we've gone too far with it mm -hmm. to the degree that we're forgetting that this is destroying, if it's killing 99.99% of germs, what are you mostly made of? You've got a biome, you know, like you just mentioned, you've got a microbiome, you know, this internal ecology, but you've got bacteria and viruses and fungi all cascaded throughout your entire body over your skin. And it forms this, it's a symbiotic relationship that's protective of your skin. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen many instances of folks washing their hands so much that they start to lose that and start to create, like break their skin and all the different very harsh chemicals that are in these hand sanitizers, just destroying. Basically what the unfortunate thing is, it makes your hands more susceptible to absorbing opportunistic bacteria and viruses by using this conventional stuff. So you created something that is far less abrasive. Exactly, and exactly to your point, I think people, we now have a pretty good understanding about the gut microbiome, and that's so well understood and talked about, and I think a lot of people have awareness about that. We don't talk as much about the skin microbiome that to your point is also one of our first lines of defense. And if our skin is our biggest organ, it is meant to have a bacterial a community that exists on it and that's part of what protects us and i think we're going to see some big challenges over time from overstripping the skin microbiome and also that applies to we have a really robust oral microbiome and this is a fascinating thing i in the research for the toothpaste that there's a, a delicate balance between the types of bacteria that are supposed to be there and when it gets out of balance in either direction that's when you see problems but they're on opposite ends of the scale so there's the bacteria that lead to things like gingivitis and there's the bacteria that lead to things like cavities and if you over sanitize against either one of those you put yourself at a higher risk of the other one yeah. so it actually you're most protected by maintaining a strong oral microbiome yet most of the products we use in our mouth like toothpaste and mouthwash kill 
99% of the germs in your mouth and actually increase your chance of strep mutants, which is the bacteria that causes cavities, getting out of hand and being more opportunistic because the good bacteria that keep it in check aren't there. So it's not just about not eating sugar and flossing. Just like with our gut, it's not about just not eating certain foods. We need to maintain the right bacterial balance as a protection. Same thing applies to our skin, our hair, and our oral microbiome. And I think you're right, we've seen this kind of, this pendulum has gone too far. We're over sterilizing, over sanitizing everything in our lives. Even most shampoos are detergent. Your hair's not dirty laundry. You don't need to mm. use detergent in it. We need to like be conscious of the fact that our body, to your point, is more bacterial than human and exist in a symbiotic way with what's supposed to be there. Yeah, so where can folks find your products? Wellness.com, wellness with an E on the end, and I'll make sure if you want it, we'll give a discount code oh, for yes. anybody listening. Oh, yeah. yes, love the hookups, yes. <laughs> um, so, and we'll put that in the show notes for everybody as well. And it, it just really, I appreciate it so much because again, you can give a DIY version of like, here's something to use for your hands. Because honestly, like if I'm out at an event and I'm like, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, and then it's just like some chips and dip, you know, I want to get in the dip. I want to get in that guac. <laughs> So, but of course, like, if you don't have time to run out, this for me, just mentally, I would want to wash my hands first before I go grab that chip and dip, you know, after shaking a bunch of hands. That's just kind of logical, you know. Um, but also, I don't want to use something that is, you know, if somebody's got some hand sanitizer handy, when I can use something that's better, you know, that's better for my skin, but also does a job of like, let's get rid of some of the opportunistic stowaways that could be there as well. So really appreciate you doing that. Um, another thing that I really, really want to talk to you about is, oh, for, well, actually, before I do that, when you were talking about the toothpaste and mouthwash, it just like, I had a flashback of Listerine. Like I, like I, my head snapped back. It wasn't caught on camera because, you know, the camera was on you, but my head snapped back because it literally, it hurt. You know, you're like swishing that around, like dealing with the pain. It's gonna kill everything, you know, but it literally is killing everything. And that is so abnormal. We think it's normal, it's not normal. And we get the super fresh breath for a while, but at the same time, this very important balance that's supposed to be there to protect your mouth, to protect your teeth from cavities and gingivitis and all those things, we're just killing all of it. And then the funny thing is, even though we have all of these increases in uh, dental practices and toothpaste and all this stuff, our dental health as a society keeps getting worse. You know, like more money. I just was talking to this guy. He does all this great stuff for his health, but he just had to get another root canal and like all of these different dental issues that, you know, if you look at Weston Price's work, for example, mm -hmm. and you see that this, if, if cultures that are more doing more of their traditional diet and practices, some of these folks aren't necessarily, quote, brushing their teeth at using all. any of this stuff. And they, they keep their teeth their entire life. You know, for 90 years, they've got their teeth, you know, so we need to have a shift in our thinking, you know, because again, with Listerine, it's another example of what you were talking about earlier of like punishing yourself into health, mm -hmm. you know, when it just doesn't make sense. Well, and Weston Price did a great job of explaining there's a nutritional aspect as well. And I think we've seen a societal decline in enough mineral consumption and fat soluble vitamins. And we know our food supply is not what it used to be. So that's a side we should absolutely address as well. I think you have to nourish your body enough to have mineral rich saliva and that's an important key as well. Um, but you're right, these we, we know about these populations that some of them never brush their teeth and they keep beautiful, strong white teeth 
into old age. And I think that's another thing when it comes to oral health is we're so concerned with white teeth that we will put literal, essentially bleach in our mouth to make our teeth super white when a lot of times that discoloring can be a sign of your body not having the minerals it needs. So instead of anything harmful to whiten teeth, we put in something called hydroxyapatite, which is the naturally occurring mineral that's already in your teeth. But when it starts to deteriorate, you can lose some of that shine and that whiteness. So we put it back in to help kind of rebuild the teeth from the outside and let your body do that, that process naturally, which leads to whiter teeth, but without having to strip away those bacteria that we need. Yeah, that's brilliant. Babe, what did you guys use in Kenya? Char char um, charcoal. Charcoal. Straight up. Was you brushing your teeth with charcoal? Yeah. You just, no, you just take the coal and you just go like. Oh my God. You see, like, we would never think of. And she's got that beautiful smile over there. <laughs> Hopefully, everybody could pick that up. But she said they would literally take the charcoal and just kind of like rub it across their teeth as just a traditional practice, you know? So now we're circling back to things that our ancestors have been doing and knowing about for quite some time. And this leads me to another thing that I wanna to talk to you about, which is during this time, obviously uh, the, our family structures and communication, connection, community, these things have been turned upside down, inside out, freaking stranger things, you know, upside, going to the upside down, you know, it's been really, really nuts. Um, some families in some contexts have been brought closer together just by the sheer nature of hunkering down. Uh, while in many instances, folks have been more isolated, even if they're under the same roof and, and kind of pulled apart. And this has been a trend that's been happening. We talked about this before the show with, um, you know, the former U.S. Surgeon General saying that loneliness was the biggest epidemic facing America prior to COVID-19 hitting the scene. And... Within that, I think that potentially who is suffering the most from this, and we're not gonna know the full ramification for years are our children. There's in such crucial times of their mental and emotional development to interact with other children, just to learn what it's like. It's very different to do it through a screen. Grateful we have that, but when you're in the real world, you can see the expressions and the subtle movements because what 90% of our communication is not through the words that we use, you know? and so so much of that process of like laying down more myelin in the brain, wiring itself correctly to be an interactive human. Um, this, all this is so important. So what I wanna to talk to you about is, you've got six kids, Katie, six. You've got your own little, like a basketball team plus the alternate, you know, <laughs> you've got the whole squad. And so I know it's been, of course, like a really great blessing, the kids having each other, but Something also that you've been doing for years is educating your kids, like finding a way to implement education. And I saw it firsthand because I didn't know what I was walking into. I knew wellness mama had all the babies. But to see the, the just this really interesting web in your household, you know, this dynamic, like everything kind of flowed and functioned together. You know, one of your kids, um, I think, is he the second to oldest who had the Rubik's Cubes? Probably the oldest. Both boys do Rubik's okay. Cube. Yeah. But man, he didn't have, he had a Rubik's Cube that had a Rubik's Cube inside of a Rubik's Cube. Like I had never seen this level of like, and he's like, yeah, I just did it in, you know, five minutes. No big deal. You know, whatever. He had Rubik's Cubes that were like shaped like triangles and, you know, he's just super smart kid and so helpful. He was so helpful in just us navigating things. You know, I think maybe your, your three-year-old or two-year-old was like outside, like flying a, a drone. 
I was like, I wouldn't give a two year old like a, 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 a bottle to carry, you know, like a glass <laughs> bottle. Like, be careful with that. And they're out there flying a drone. But anyways, but you've integrated education into the construct. And so what I want to ask you about is today we've outsourced so much of our education of our children to other people. And not to say that outside folks cannot be absolutely is such a valuable resource, but I think we've gotten away from being able to give the most valuable wisdom, which is from ourselves with our children in that connection. So what are some of the things right now, especially when folks are more like they're trying to navigate how to, how do I educate and support my kids education when they're at home right now versus being in a school setting? Uh, if you could just give some insight because I'm really at a loss. We're all navigating this ourselves too. So if you could just share some, some, some of the things that we can possibly look towards right now. Yeah, well, my heart goes out to all the parents who became homeschooling parents overnight with no prep because I got to like ease into this with my kids gently homeschooling from the beginning. But I think to your point, I mean, first of all, with people love to look at blue zones and they try to say like, oh, it's the red wine or it's the seafood or whatever. I think it's the community. That's the common factor of why people live so long. And I think you're right. We have to be much more conscious about community right now because it isn't as easy as it used to be. And also a lot of parents are very much in the stress of, having to educate their children very much, not just firsthand, but single-handedly right now. And just like we talked about with health, that we're each our own primary healthcare provider, we are still each our own, our child's first teacher. Even if we bring other people in to help with that, the responsibility still lies with us to some degree and also with them. I, I very much believe that children are also the best educators and knowing how to direct that. Mm. Um, but for us, what, what started with it and the core message of this that I'll come back to is, that it's, it can be much easier than you think. So if parents are in that and they're struggling, the beauty of it is you can do, and I would say should do much less than you're doing for their sake. Not It's not taking the easy way out, it's giving them the best. Um, but what I mean by that is this, when our oldest was about to hit um, kindergarten age, we started asking what is gonna best prepare him for the future? And is that homeschooling? Is that any of the school options available to us? And to answer that question, we had to say, well, what does the future look like? And the best that we can predict, we, we don't know. My job didn't exist when I was five, so I couldn't have directly prepared for it. So in an uncertain future that we know is technological and rapidly changing, what are the core things we need to impart to our children to make them have that foundation to be successful in whatever pursuit that entails? Mm. And what I realized in that moment was kids are actually innately born with most of those things. When we, when we boil it down to its core, what kids need it is creativity, which they're born with. They need the ability to ask hard questions, which ask any parent of a two-year-old they're born with, to connect dots and, and make patterns, which they're also born with. They're, all of these things are innately built into them. And then beyond that, to have a love of learning so they can learn anything new quickly. Because at the end of the day, what they're probably gonna do one day it may not even exist yet, or it's gonna change before then anyway. So we can't give them knowledge that's gonna directly serve them in adulthood, but we can absolutely give them skills that are gonna serve them in adulthood. So when we look at it skills up versus knowledge down, it becomes how do we best do that? And a lot of people love to point to the education system and say it's broken. And I don't agree with that at all. I think it's actually still brilliantly doing exactly what it was designed to do, but society's changed and we didn't adapt education and it's now doing a disservice to our kids. So what I looked at it in the rest of my life, I use things like the 80-20 principle and go back to first principles and mental models and try to figure out what is the most efficient way from point A to point B. 
and how can we make it foolproof and re repeatable and easy to implement across the spectrum. And I realized we don't do that with education and we should. So I, I started from there and said, you know, how can I most efficiently impart these skills to my kids? And it's not in them sitting at a desk all day because that's actually not preparing them likely for what the future is gonna look like. And I would argue it's physiologically horrible for a child to sit for eight hours a day. So if those weren't the variables, if textbooks weren't the best way to teach them, what could education look like? So we built a curriculum kind of from the ground up using that idea, saying how can we use the best of technology, the best of everything we have available, the 80-20 principle, and give them the skills they need in the shortest amount of time possible so they get to go do the things kids are built to do, like climb trees and play outside and learn social interaction by playing with their friends. How do we prioritize that? And that's what we did. And when you focus on the skills up versus knowledge down, you know, most schools, they throw a ton of knowledge at kids. And then we say, well, I hope from that they learn to be a good person and they learn to have, um, you know, a focus on helping others and to solve problems because certainly their generation's gonna face plenty of them that we've created. Instead, what if we give them those skills and say, you have access to 10 times the Library of Alexandria, literally at a cell phone at your fingertips all day long. We know that you have the knowledge you need. You can find any knowledge you need. Or maybe the cliche we've all said of like, I remember saying in math class, why do I need a calculator? Or why, why do I need to learn this? And they'd be like, well, you're not always gonna have a calculator. It turns out we do. And we don't even have to type anything in. We can just say, hey Siri, you know, what's the right. square root of whatever? And she'll tell us. So they're gonna have the knowledge. That variable that we used to be trying to solve for, knowledge isn't the gateway anymore. It's the mindset. So how do we prioritize mindset with our kids? And I think that's gonna be the key that helps our kids become the element of change that our society is desperately gonna need in the next two generations. And so we did that and this was a system I had built for my kids and had this very strong desire to give to other families and eventually to give to other schools and to anywhere that it could serve as well. And I, I even last year I thought, well, you know, in another 10 years, most of mine will be done and I'll then I'll turn it into a curriculum because I'll have time and maybe by then people will be okay with virtual learning and it'll be widely accepted. And then COVID hit and I think beautiful silver lining, virtual learning is widely accepted by every school system in America almost overnight. So the beauty of this is I think parents who are overwhelmed with the idea of virtual learning or homeschooling, it's because they think they have to do so much more than they have to do. And I would argue that the great geniuses that have changed and shaped history, the, the Einsteins and the Ben Franklins and the Leonardo da Vinci's, people point to them and they say, wow, look how much they accomplished in spite of only having two years of actual education. And I say, no, look how much they accomplished because they only had two years of actual education to untrain them from their natural genius that they already had. So I think the beauty of this is we can have less stressed parents and more creative kids at the same time. It's like one of the few areas where there, you don't have to do more to get the best result. Um, and I, like, I think if we look at it, if we reframe, there's so many beautiful silver linings to COVID. We are spending more time with our families statistically. We're cooking dinner at home more. I hope that sticks around. You know, we're cooking from scratch and we're being much more involved in the education of our kids. And if we use this as an opportunity, I think we're gonna see societal changes um, and the, my message to other parents is it doesn't have to be this hard. You don't have to try to give them all the knowledge in the world. And simple things like start the day with three TED Talks on totally unrelated topics. They're natural pattern makers. They're gonna try to connect dots that aren't there and they're gonna start and that's how we create businesses. People who create businesses, they solve problems by connecting dots in a new way. So give the kids opportunities to start doing that in simple ways where they can fail. Um, another thing we do with our kids is they're done with the book work side of education by about 13, 14. So they've completed all the check marks of traditional high school by that point. 
and then we move them into an entrepreneur incubator, which I've built into the curriculum. And the goal here is that a lot of those skills that make them successful in adulthood can be taught easily through the lens of running a business. Things like all the detail that you need, financial accountability and management, um, being consistent, customer service, showing up, solving problems, helping others. Because at the end of the day, that's what business is, is solving problems and helping other humans. So by doing that, they're learning so many of these lessons in a hands-on way. Um, so we have a contract with them that before they can have a car or a phone, they have to have a profitable business for a year. We've got the top two about ready to cross that line. Um, but I think like it just, it's reimagining the approach that we have versus trying to make the system that's already not working a little bit better we have the chance to completely change it. And another beautiful outcome of this is, I also 100% a believer that we create change by each of us going in our own community and we create ripples where we can create ripples. Certainly we should talk about the big problems too, but we can change the little ones right where we are. So I got to use as an incubator for this, I got to go into our local prison systems and start to teach this to prisoners who were gonna get out within nine months. Realizing many of these people just haven't been given these basic skills that would help them so much. and. It, we, you know, we receive people come back to prison over and over, and it's because that's where they know, and also that's where they are getting their core needs met. So what if we give them tools to be able to financially manage their lives and teach them, let them see for the first time that they could actually be in the driver's seat. They could own a business. They don't have to wait till someone else gives them a job. They can build it from the ground up and have that freedom and that power, and getting to see people make that shift. I'm like, that's how we create change. And so, you know, COVID gave me a chance to get to do that. and. I think this is the next shift we need to see in, in society, is to bring to totally turn on its head these things that we've taken as the best way for so long and maybe reimagine them for the sake of our kids. Because like we've talked about, there are a lot of problems they're gonna face and a lot of challenges they are gonna get to solve. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's so good, so important. You just said it perfectly. I mean, this is offering up an opportunity. You know, I said this before we got started, like I feel, I feel that humanity's at a fork in the road right now. And it's just like, truly uh, dark outcomes are possible, or this is our time to really change the things that have not been working, that have gone largely unnoticed. You know, and one of those things is our education system, you know, and the wonderful people who are in it as teachers and educators and the jobs that they've done, has, it's, it's, it's absolutely vital and important and eternally grateful. We live in very different times. And folks are not being trained for those times. You know, the greatest uh, interception point for the vast majority of kids is technology now, you know, and not the technology that you want them to learn in school. And these kids, literally each child has the potential to take their phone and to create a six-figure business or a million-dollar business just by tinkering around on their phone. And so when we're telling our kids, you know, don't play games or don't be on your technology, you know, get your education, what does that look like when you've got other children who, you know, in, in the instances you gave, who are creating things with this technology that's not being taught in our conventional setting, you know? And also, we've become very kind of hard-lined on rote memorization, books and learning, more time studying and test-taking, and continue to take away from the arts and from physical activity, which both of those things, especially physical activity, has been found in study after study, and I have did shows on this, to improve education, improve the ability to retain facts and figures and memory and all this stuff. But yet we've taken that away largely, you know? And so this has given us the opportunity to change those things. And I love it that 
for a lot of us, you know, our kids are under our roof more frequently now and we get to be involved and we get to. And I love you gave us permission to like, let's not make it so hard on ourselves because I think we really are taking on for, I know a lot of folks and ourselves included have like been sweating with the oldies or whatever that's called, it's sweating with the oldies, yeah. Like really just like uh, mentally pushing, like how are we gonna do this? We, how can we figure this out? When in reality, kids are great educators of themselves too, you know? So we spent more time really paying attention. Like I've really got my son Brayden, like I've dialed in his personality. Like I, I've never before, like I, I really get it with him. And one of the other things that's really interesting is that not only are your kids, you know, having their own profitable business before they get a car, that's just amazing. Uh, but one of your sons is beekeeping now too. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And that's the thing I think kids have, they're intensely curious. And so if we just get out of their way a little bit and not have them, I think we kill so much of that creativity by them sitting still at a desk. So to your point, like one of our core things is we don't have really desk or chairs. So even when they're learning school, there's yoga swings, there's balance balls, there's like surf trainers, but they're constantly in motion. And I think you're right, that helps them learn. It helps their blood flow. They're not sitting, which, or if they're sitting, they're sitting on the floor in all kinds of weird positions, which you're, we both had Aaron Alexander on, you know, he's a big fan of floor culture. Don't just sit in a chair all day. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it gives them that time for creativity. And so it's really fun when you get out of their way. I've got kids who we have superworms growing in our closet. So um, one of my sons had an idea that because plastic is becoming a bigger and bigger problem, we, that's no secret, that there's a series of superworms that can break down polystyrene, which is styrofoam. And he's testing right now, potentially break it down into non-BPA components. So that's the problem is even when we get rid of plastic, we're still, we still have these plastic compounds that are getting into the water supply. Well, it turns out it looks like these worms might be able to break down styrofoam into safe carbons and not BPA components at all. So right now there's 2,000 plus worms in one of my closets at home. <laughs> I've got, we've got beekeeping going on. We've got eight ducks in the yard that they're raising and they got bored one day and they made a foundry to melt down aluminum cans to make armor for their Mandalorian Halloween costume. Like I think when you get out of their way, they're just naturally are creative machines. Yeah. And they just, so many kids are spending so much time trying to do all the check marks that are expected of them and trying to live these almost adult lives in school. And to your point, to take all these tests that are essentially meaningless as adults. I've never been asked my test scores. And ironically, I was a good test taker. I played that game well. It has not served me in adulthood at all. What served me was the ability to learn quickly. And so that's the thing. If we can give our kids that, they'll be able to learn what they need to learn to do whatever it is they want to do when they're older. And if we can do it without killing their creativity, they'll want to. So awesome. I just, I so excited about this conversation. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Uh, but also I want to make sure that we mention this. You're a big fan of Beekeepers Naturals and they recently sent both of us their new cough syrup, which the, this is another thing that you're known for because again, I saw you the, you know, the DIY, but the conventional cough syrups are unbelievable uh, with the, let me, let me just share a couple of the ingredients here. <laughs> this is nuts. Listen to this. This is one of the most popular over-the-counter cough syrups. Uh, it has flavor. What the hell? First of all, what the hell is flavor? <laughs> FDNC blue number one, FDNC red number 40, high fructose corn syrup, propylene glycol, saccharin sodium, just all of these synthetic chemicals that should not be in something we're giving to our children. And what was so funny for me was that I actually put this in my new book, 
Eat Smarter. It was a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled. This is the gold standard of gold. This is the gold member of studies revealed that honey is able to outperform placebos in effectively reducing cough frequency and severity at night and improving sleep quality. You know, and they dialed in like, what's the best honey for this formula? And they also included elderberry, chaga, propolis, of course, like you've got a post on your site about the propolis and all the incredible benefits. So when you told me that your son was beekeeping, I'm just like, that, that's so cool. Like he's, he, he really gets it. Like there's something special there with bees and these bee products. So you're a big fan, you love the propolis. I'm a big fan of all of their products, but yeah, to your point, I mean, the kind of the constant theme of this whole conversation has been not signaling your body that it's in a state of stress. And yet when people are sick, they're taking what is literally just a chemical cocktail that's signaling their body that it's in a state of stress. When we have, like you mentioned, there's amazing, there's dozens of studies on honey for various things, like it for healing burns. Burn units use Manuka honey all the time. Um, Propolis is so cool because it's the thing the bees use to keep the hive sanitary. So if even like a dead mouse gets in the hive, they will entirely coat it in propolis to keep the bacteria happening from that from affecting the rest of the hive. It's that powerful. Mm-hmm. And so we have these tools that taste good, that kids don't fight you on, that we can use and it or use it on burns to heal burns. So like we're a huge, huge fan in our house of bee products, obviously, but I love that beekeepers make them into just remedies you can just use immediately. Right. Yeah, so and by the way, guys, beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. You get 15% off everything that they carry. This is that time of year, cold and flu season. I know that for a lot of folks that listen to this show, we're taking care of our health, but this is a great thing to, you know, gift other people, you know, to have something much healthier in our medicine cabinet. We shouldn't have things that hurt us included with our medicine. So that's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model. And listen, this has been one of my favorite episodes. So many important things. Like we've just, you've brought together so many important principles and you're like the walking, talking representation of it. And truly like we, we, we shared this with you. You changed our lives. When we came to your house, like our stuff was different when we left. <laughs> We're just like, we weren't acknowledging what our kids are capable of, you know, because we're conditioned. We might think that we are, you know, pushing the boundaries of what, that parent, what parenting looked like. But when you see it from another perspective, it just continues to open that, those doors. And your kids, and also they seem just to be very cool and happy, you know, at the end of the day, too. They weren't like pageant kids, you know, like, <laughs> our, uh, uh, we're going to put on this performance, you know, for these people. They were just living and joyful, you know. And so I just, I really admire you and I appreciate you because, and also what you've accomplished recently, just tuning in with yourself. You're amazing, Katie. You're just amazing, (laughs) you know. So thank you. Thanks, Sean. I feel the same way about you guys. It's an honor to get to see your face in person and it was an honor to have you over. And I think we talked about it when you were there. That was, that's one of our core parenting principles is we won't do anything for them that they're capable of doing themselves. I think a lot of parents, we take on so much of that burden and we add that stress to ourselves thinking we're helping them. Of course, we all want what's best for our kids. But our goal is to create adults and to get out of their way and let them be brilliant. And so for us, it's not doing things, not insulting them by trying to do the things they're already capable of. It's recognizing their independence and their brilliance and giving them the tools to accomplish it. Yeah, definitely. If folks can just tune in more with you, get more information, you've got an awesome podcast, you've got other resources. Can you let everybody know where they can connect with you and just continue to learn from Wellness Mama? Yeah, easiest thing is I'm Wellness Mama everywhere. So wellnessmama.com, the podcast is the Wellness Mama podcast, and then same on social media. 
Awesome. Katie, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I took a bunch of notes myself, and I just want to recap some of these principles for our kids. And even if you don't have kids, or if you have, if your kids are super grown up and they like own a car dealership now, whatever, if you got grandkids, nieces and nephews, or just kids in the neighborhood, folks that you just want to help, our children are truly, this is the future, you know? And so we're helping to, like she just said, we're raising adults. And we want to raise adults who are, who are happy, sovereign, and capable of the transformation that we need because they're already solving problems. Hashtag worms in the closet. So one of those principles was creativity, you know, really encouraging that because we have to think differently about the problems that we're facing and just problems in our day-to-day -day lives. You know, we tend to be very, we tend to cultivate tunnel vision and attack things the same way. When Einstein, just paraphrasing, everybody knows this quote, but we cannot solve a problem from the same level of thinking that created the problem, yet we continue to do it. We have to be more creative. Another one of those principles was be able to ask hard questions. Ah, oh, she mentioned this earlier. Even the questions we ask ourselves, our mind is hardwired to answer questions. So it's a process called an instinctive elaboration that takes place when we ask hard questions of ourselves and other people. And I think that we tend to be just a little bit gentle, too gentle in what we think our kids can do and to ask them questions and to challenge them. As I mentioned, I know that my son, Brayden, I've really dialed in his personality. He's a lot like me, all right? I'm just gonna be honest. My wife is making a face right now like, meh. He does not like to be told what to do, all right? He is much more of a self-motivated person. If he knows the thing that needs to be done, he just wants to do it. He doesn't need you to tell him to do it, you know? So once he starts to see like, okay, well, you get to play Roblox online with your friend for an hour today. However, we need you to do this first. I need you to do, you know, let's jump on this 30 minutes of, you know, reading a book that you like. Let's take care of, you know, taking out the recycling and sweeping the floor, like take care. So what he does, instead of us telling him to do the things, he'll get up in the morning first thing, just immediately just go knock those things out. And he's like, what else you got for me? Basically, you know, like I've done the things that I needed to do. This is my time now, you know? So I've, I understand that. So I want to create structures where I can enable him to know the things that need to be done. So he knows our Sunday routine now, whereas before he might've battled it a little bit, you know, we get up and watch Michael Beckwith, you know, watch a talk from him. So he'll like, hey dad, can you make mom her coffee and make, make my hot chocolate and we watch Michael Beckwith? Because he knows that that's the part of the morning routine, then he can kind of hang out with his friend afterwards, you know, but he's still getting that enrichment and finding a way to find joy in it. You know, that's another thing with the connective tissue. So. Being able to connect the dots as well. This is something we naturally do if we have the opportunity. So we have to stop connecting dots for people and allowing them to do it themselves more often. Just creating the atmosphere for that, for that to take place. I love that, the three different TED Talks on totally different topics. You have no idea we're still gonna use that. We're doing that. Also, support the love of learning. And this is probably the most powerful thing. This is probably the, the, the tip of the spear or the the top of the tip of the umbrella, all right? And if you can create and cultivate a love of learning, you've created somebody who is going to continuously be a, a curious and capable, free-thinking human being. Because the ability to want to learn more 
it really kind of supersedes what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a, a very concentrated amount of people who think they've got stuff figured out already and it is dangerous. And so understanding that we don't know everything, continue to learn because we love learning and we know that there's always more, it's like a superpower. So I love this and to sum it all up is to prioritize mindset. It's not the rote activities, it's not the thing, it's the mindset. And we all have the capability to help to instill a positive uh, learning mindset and an affirmative mindset and an empowered mindset in our children and in ourselves. All right, so I appreciate you so much for tuning in today. Make sure to check out wellnessmama.com and all the goodness there and check out Katie's podcast as well. And we've got some epic shows coming your way very soon, so make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you've got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.